0: This is H-Hour. Become a patron of H-Hour at patron.charleycharley1.com and pick up H-Hour merchandise at shop.charleycharley1.com Enjoy this episode. Uh, You've just been talking away. I've just been talking away. We've been doing about five minutes and it wasn't recording. So when I said we were recording, we're not. We are now. We are now now. recording. So what have we covered in the five minutes of silence? We've covered... uh, (laughs) Woody the Black Country Bastard. <laughs> Woody the Wizard of Warwick.
1: <laughs> Warwickshire. <laughs> or Worcestershire. Yeah, Woody the did. Wizard of Worcestershire. Did, currently um, resided in Warwickshire.
0: We were talking about uh, nicknames, and I, I recollected the guy. I, I'm going to have to really shorten this down. Now. I'm going to shorten this story down, probably to the length it should have been in the first place, rather okay. than me waffling on. The guy who I serve with, he left just after I joined. We didn't really know each other. However,. He, remembering him randomly the other day made me think of you because the first time you came on the podcast we were talking about nicknames for sure yeah. and this guy had an oddly shamed head shaped head like it was like a birth defect or something he's he had perfect cognitive function i think um <laughs> but he, his head was really oddly shaped like it was compressed in on one side or whatever and his nickname was nicknack or nicknack head we had a good old laugh at that and then there was the to?
1: We, went, we were going on to a guy who I knew called Gash right. who looked like the blue Sam the American Eagle out of The Muppet Show who, who had a very distinctive good morning everyone and he, he had a head like Sam the Eagle from The Muppet Show. My God. My <laughs> Characters God. we used to come across in The Forces.
0: Yeah, the names you give them. Oh, yeah.
1: The names you give him. There's another one called Gene Jorksby. And I, he, he looked like Quark off Deep Space Nine, one of the characters. And this guy called uh, Stan used to see him. He's go, can anyone smell foxes wee around here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> My God.
1: My oh. God. I, I, you,
0: you like your World War II stuff. And I, I've just been doing See that book there? I do. Have you met Lloyd?
1: Don't think so, no.
0: No. So he, he uh, he's local. He's local. But I don't, as you know, I don't really me- read much many war books. I don't, not anymore. I used to read some, but I don't anymore. And he's doing. Um, he's he's a local local author, and he's doing. Uh, they're fictional books, mm. right? But they're based on based on a fictional SAS character who goes around hunting down ex Nazis. Oh no, Nazis after the Second World War. Yeah, to enact his revenge upon them.
1: Um. Because there was actually, after the war, a, a secret SAS team set and up. And he
0: was part of that. Yeah. But when that gets closed down, he carries on. He wants to carry on. And yeah. his name in the book is um, Willett. George, uh, is it George Willett? The character's name is George Willett. And he wants to keep going until he's got every single one of them. Sounds good. And book. this is the first book, the short book. It's called The Last Nazi and the Desert mm-hmm. Rats. And uh, this isn't me plugging it. I was li- I'm was i recording the audio book for him, which is why it's in you right now. I did yeah. it just before you arrived. But they're good fun. They're good fun, yeah. Good. Yeah. So there was a legit, there was a legit, because I read it, I first read it in mm. the book here, Bro Lloyd, that piece of history. So what do you know about it?
1: After the war in 19, for, ended in May 1945, they actually set up a secret SAS group to hunt down Nazi war criminals and overtake, overtake them um, to trial. And there was a very good book about, called The Seven Escapes of Alistair. I can't remember his last name. But he was... After he did his Cut last... Your e- coffee
0: cup there, mate. I no,
1: thank you, mate. It. After his last escape, he was a part of that unit as well to hunt down ex-members of the uh, Gestapo and SS who'd uh, committed war crimes. and uh, uh, And also... There was lots of war crimes committed against the obviously Special Air Service because Hitler brought in a thing called the Commando Order. And what the Commando Order was, any members of the Commandos, Special Air Service, and Special Operations Executive, or anyone caught behind enemy lines, either in uniform or not uniform,
0: the Commando Befield,
1: yes, it will be hunted down and killed. Now the reason they say, the historical fact is, the reason why Hitler bought in that commando order was because in 19, I think 1940, the commandos were first called independent companies, then they took the name commandos. What they did, they did a raid on Guernsey. They did a raid on Guernsey. What happened was, after the commandos left, Apparently, the Germans found four German soldiers with the hands tied behind their back, with obviously the bullet holes in the back of the head, executed. So this went up to the German high command, and obviously this was then seen as basically Hitler brought in the commando order that anyone from the the SOE, SAS, and the uh, uh, commandos will get caught, interrogated, and then killed. A um, c- classic example is, when they first went in to destroy the heavy water plant at Telemark, they sent in Royal End Engineers in gliders. Well, the gliders crashed. The Germans caught them and basically executed all of them.
0: Because they thought they were commandos?
1: They were commandos, oh, right, yeah. and, and they just basically executed all of them there and then.
0: Bad news. I've just yeah. realised you want milk in that coffee, don't
1: you? Um you haven't got milk have you? Right,
0: hang on, I'm gonna get No, some. it's alright. No, I'm gonna get some. We'll press pause. Okay. we we'll are press pause. Or maybe I won't. No. Maybe talk yourself. let's carry on. No. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna get milk. one sec. Back in. We're back in, Woody. We're back Woody's in. got milk, he's got sugar, he's happy. And he hasn't had to pay for his coffee. That's always a good thing. Reimburse me. Right, uh, uh oh yeah, so the the SCS commander oh the SCS commanders, what are I all about? The, we're on about the commando befeel. the commando Befield. So yeah. I learnt the German word for the commando order out of Lloyd's book as I was narrating it. Ah. Yes, yes, um, yeah. Where, where, where is your, in, where is your keen interest in World War II come from? And the reason I ask is, right, obviously it's a significant uh, in, of interest, of significant interest when I was serving the military. But I also suggested to you recently, maybe about doing like a some other conflict
1: battlefield chores and you're like no i only do world war ii the reason it being is i as a kid grew up listening about my great uncle Reg, who was in the Herefordshire's, and it was also as well apparently number two commando who took part in the saint uh nazir raid so he got killed on the 30th of july 1944 and he's buried in Charles de Percy Cemetery. And he was he was killed on a raid to take out some German guns, right? And I heard all about him. And in fact, I've actually f i have actually found out last night a couple of photos of him. I must have him actually framed. <coughs> and he does actually look like me. There's a resemblance. We also had a another great uncle called Dennis, who served in the 5th and Battalion Cameron Highlanders. Then he served in second SAS. Then he served in the fifth Belgian SAS. Okay. And I to meet him up at the mulch shovel pub in Dudley. And he had a fascinating, fascinating life. And I was always interested in listening to his stories and stuff like that. So when I first did, obviously, Cold It's, um, that got me then hooked on other... Lesser known escapes.
0: I didn't realize David Sterling was at it, it. That's yeah. where they put him after he kept escaping and recapturing. That's where they put him to not so yeah. hoping he wouldn't escape again. Did not know that.
1: Yeah, it was, it was a bad boy's camp. Mm. But the point is, as I said, on the, You may
0: have mentioned it on the last podcast, yeah, actually. Sorry it, if I forgot.
1: Yeah, that. no, 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 it's all right. And that's where the, my interest lies in all these lesser known <coughs> World War II escapes and lesser known operations. So. Why? So, you just come back from Norway? Yeah. Right. Why? Why Norway? What's special about Norway? Norway was the um, same thing as Colditz. I watched his, the Colditz story, but there was also a very good book, which I've got here, and a, and a film called Above Us the Waves with John Mills. And it was these Royal Navy guys, some of them engineers, some of them stewards. Stewards? Stewards. Um, serving cups of tea, cake to the officers and that. Military people? Yeah.
0: They were, but they were stewards? The Royal is, Navy are stewards. Is that kind of is that kind of like an RAF um, passenger-carrying yeah. jets when you have the... Oh, they're air
1: stewards, aren't they? Yeah. That's oh, the same thing, but, yeah. but on on On, in on board Navy. a ship. Okay, right. So, it's
0: a bit of a bluff, isn't it? I
1: know. Orders <laughs> obviously come up as ever... V- v- and the volunteers required for hazardous duty or special duties. Do you? Ma- it's like, do you imagine it's World War II, they're stewards and stuff like that, and I think, do you know what, I want to do something different. So they, Churchill uh, decided that the Germans had a battleship, a pocket battleship called the Tirpitz. And if that had gone into the North Atlantic, into the Atlantic convoys carrying supplies coming back and forth, unlike America, it would have changed the whole of the war. So what they decided was, it was, it was anchored up in a fjord in Norway by a, a, a city called Trondheim. Right? So they wanted to take it out. RAF had tried it and it failed. Right? So they decided to set up a covert operation, which was called Operation Title. So they put out an... Title? Operation Title. So they put out an order, volunteers required for hazardous duties. <laughs> You imagine you're a steward, you're an engineer, and stuff like that. You think to yourself, "I want to do something a bit different."
0: Well, the, I mean, if that happened these days, you'd be thinking, mm, "But I'm going down to the NBC Center, or I'm going to do, I'm going to be, I'm going to be shoveling shit, I'm going to be getting rid of dead bodies or something." Yeah. You wouldn't think it was desirable,
1: yeah? Would you? Well, this one. That's these days, though. They had, they'd, the chariots had, had developed underwater warfare thing called uh, chariots and what it was it was a torpedo and two blokes would sit astride this torpedo and guide it uh, to the target the front part of the torpedo would be uh, detached and slung underneath the warship
0: it was a warhead then it was it yeah
1: then they would go out and then this thing which is set on a timer would actually blow up okay so we captured one we actually captured one took it back reverse engineered it and developed our own and it, they called them a chariots human torpedoes so the plan was up in the shetland islands there was a thing called the shetland bus what the shetland bus was it was the, the Royal norwegian navies Special Operations. So it used to take supplies and agents over to Norway in a fishing boat. And there was a guy there called Leif Larsen, right? So what happened was they got a fishing boat called Arthur and they strapped the human torpedoes to the side of it, went across all the North Sea, and they got into the outskirts of the Trondheim field on the, uh, get this right now, the 31st of October. Trondheim field? Why F- Fjord, Fjord. Ah, big Fjord, lake, Fjord. Fjord, F-J-O-R-D. Sorry, sorry. See, sorry, yeah? sorry. Okay. So they got there, but they were about 10 kilometres away from the turpit. But due to bad weather and an engine fault, the, torpedo, the human torpedoes broke free. Off their casings, right? So they took Arthur round over to an island, <coughs> outskirts of an island, put all the stuff on board rowing boats and sunk it. But they, it, or, or scuttled it in Navy terms, opened up all the seacocks, they scuttled it, right? They then got ashore. They then split up into two parties. So there was a place called uh, right? So when I went to Norway, I went into Stordal. So this was now the night of the 31st of October 1942. So what they then did was in two parties with Norwegian guides split up and walked uh, to Sweden. So I've read all the books on it. What's the actual movie again? I thought, that's a lesser known escape. I'm going to do this. Right. So I did all the research into it. So I've got a, a Norwegian contact called Hansi, who is ex-Norwegian army, and he also he trained up the Norwegian Air Force. So he's got a, a, a company there called Southern Breeze Experience. So I contacted him... <coughs> And we were going to meet up, but also he was going to show me another operation, another special operation. So I'll talk about that in a bit. So I planned everything and I flew into Stordal on October 31st, stopped over the next morning. Started walking the day that they started walking in 1942, but I started walking in in 2023, the first of November. But I wanted to do it as not replicate it, not not obviously play it, but experience what they experienced. So I walked in some what they actually would have had on, except I wore a decent pair of boots because nowhere else did have walk in uh, to Sweden in. Siemens boots So I had Burgess boots on World War 2 Surge And um, a battle dress uh, Trousers A World War 2 Sub And um, the Mariners jumper A 1942 Burger With all my Stuff in it Right that there, it? Yeah, and no, that Yeah That's it? it there
0: That's not British Is
1: it Yeah It's British From World War 2 oh, Okay And um, A battle dress a Jacket now, I had a pair of mittens, a hat, and off I started. Now, they lived on rations of <laughs> sardines, biscuit, and corned beef and a bit of chocolate, but there's no way I was going to walk that distance into Nor- in, in, to Sweden living off that. So, Hansi... Hang on, how
0: do they do it then?
1: They got guided so i haven't got a guide i'm doing it on like my own right so hansi left for me at in in Stordl, at an outdoor shop arctic rations a stove and and these big massive sausages which were a godsend so i bought some more sausages because they were lovely and i bought um i had some more sausages. Bought some. I had some Dutch chocolate to took with me, and also <laughs> you and did like the luxury, of the the luxury <laughs> version of the luxury version of this escape, and so, so like. and a pair of mittens. <laughs> right, I <to laughs> thought, and also as well, they were guided up over the mountains. Now I didn't have a guide, so I, I didn't cheat and look at aerial photographs and Google and stuff like that. So on the actual ground. I looked at it, and it was thick forest and everything, and I sidelined it. So I started walking, I started walking along all this, all this route and this track. And I always say that, as an escaper, it's lonely. When I did cold and that, but unlike cold where you can't have a gaggle of walking down all the road, so I, they had obviously two groups of six with Norwegian guys, and they were stopping off at huts and that. Because they knew all the huts, because they were resistance, obviously, fighters. I started off at, at um, Stordal, started walking, started walking, started walking. And it is, it's bleak. If you've ever been over to Norway, it is bleak as anything. Okay. There's okay. a few houses. It was, it was minus eight. And then I decided to, to, uh, to stop somewhere. And halfway along, I stopped, I can't remember the name I stopped at, but I slept the night in this barn. Right. So I stopped in this barn. What
0: sleeping system did you have?
1: I had a sleeping bag. Yeah. Right. A Softie 3 and a bivvy bag and a roll mat. And I did a few posts. And someone put on uh, to my post, don't forget, mate, in Norway, there's... Bears, bears and wolves and I thought that's not bears and wolves in Norway surely so I thought I'm sat there in my sleeping bag everything's all in my sleeping bag to keep it warm my water bottles stop it freezing up and everything I got my stove on I had some scrum and that and everything
0: you no shelter
1: uh, I, I took you, a shelter The yeah. was in the barn oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with the door open uh, and then I looked at it are there wolves in Norway because I thought <laughs> Because I thought, I thought... What, well, Google? I thought it's, win, it's winter time. bears hibernate, so I'm all right. Paranoia going to overdrive. Paranoia going overdrive. <laughs> so I Googled it, and it come up, there are wolves in Norway, but the last known attack was in the 1800s when they r- ripped a girl apart, apparently, in the 1800s. I thought, oh, this is horrible. So I was in my DOS bag, having to read my book, head on and everything, and then, and then... Uh, this, what I thought was a wolf's sound.
0: Obviously, and, if you hadn't have Googled or someone hadn't have posted about you, you wouldn't have thought it. You would have thought, oh, it's a sound, wouldn't
1: you? I would have. Hey, I was what was like, the story? I was, did did I you was, survive? I was like, fucking What hell. was it? Well, I don't know what it was. I wasn't taking that chances. But I looked around where I'd, I thought... <laughs> Please let there be a barn that's got a door on. And there was a shed with a door on it. And I went up and I went, please open, please open. I opened this door up. I thought, yes. I chucked all my kitty. Chucked all my kitty in this door. I got in there and I didn't have a good night's sleep, I must admit. <laughs> it wasn't a good night's sleep. It was like, I could hear this, this howling going on. So the next morning I was up at... I was up at 7 o'clock had a chocolate had some water started walking Can
0: I jump in? With the guides so what do you know about the Norwegian resistance? What were they like?
1: Well Just generally? When the actual Germans invaded a lot of the Norwegians not a lot of the Norwegians some of the Norwegians took the German side and they said the king of Norway came back to England but There was a Quisling, there was a guy called Quisling, and there's a Quisling organisation who worked hand-in-hand with the Germans. So some of them were traitors to their own people. And the, the resistance would obviously do attacks, and there would be agents as well from the special operations executive in there. Okay? But they um German convoys and anything. And they also did the attack on the heavy water plant. So it, it is a fascinating history for World War Two.
0: What were the Germans using the heavy water plant for? This is, because it. this
1: is well before a nuclear bomb, right? Oh, no. They were using heavy water to develop, develop. an atomic bomb. Right. To develop it. They were using it. Okay. So, but it's easy for us to say in obviously Britain who we never got invaded.
0: It's easy for us to say what?
1: Well, why did they side with the actual Germans? Now, some people didn't want to, some people were under threat and stuff like that. So as if like you know you do as we say or or oh, die.
0: Well, it, it makes sense. I mean, I imagine like I imagine the same thing happened. You know, well, obviously we know it happened in other European mainland countries. Yeah. But imagine the same kind of thing happened in Jersey. Oh yeah. You know where they yeah. were they were under occupation. Yeah. Like for a long time. But I imagine the same thing was going on there. Yeah. It's just I would imagine that the 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 social repercussions to you. If the if the pe if the general, like, good Jersey people who weren't under the influence of the Germans yeah. caught you doing it, you were getting fucked. Or after the Germans left, you were getting fucked. You know, it's like um it's like when you see you read or see or, or see things being put into film about when places get liberated in Europe. You know, Arnhem the famous ones in Arnhem and Dormandy and places like that, and then you you get there's the there's the there's the clips of women getting their heads shaved off because they slept with German soldiers and all that, or even worse things happening. To
1: them. I was just going to say that. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah.
0: Right? But it's understandable in, under occupation, oh, yeah. people react differently, and people because. The occupying force will want to coerce people into wanting to help them, yeah. And they will do that either in nice ways or do it in very bad ways and threats, you know. Yeah. And especially, it's probably the more the more uh, the more influential and powerful people are more susceptible to that mm.
1: influence. But I mean, it's a fascinating history. But but on the, going back on 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 my obviously next morning after a sleepless night after the wolf attack after the wolf attack. <laughs> You just made... The anxiety made, attack. and made, made me laugh, actually, because in in it, in when I was going down the road, there was, like, dog... This dog was barking, and I, I remember thinking, oh, that fucking dog's chained up. And then when I was in Crete last year, he okay, got a bit by a snake, and someone said, oh, don't worry about it, none of the snakes are poisonous in Crete. I thought, yeah, I'm not going to take that chance. And then I thought, in Norway, oh, my God, it's, now it's wolves. Um... So started walking again, and I stopped off at this farmhouse uh, to get some water. And they let me in. By this time, it was what I call is a snowstorm. You would call it a snowstorm, but the Norwegians just call it snowing. So I got into another place, and the farmer, he he let me actually have my um, porridge and my um, coffee which i made in his house but then he introduced me uh, to his father you speak english yeah all the norwegians uh, speak really? excellent english yeah he introduced me to his father telling me about his grandfather and he telling him about the history of the um the valley in world war Two. and they said they're still finding up in the uh, woods they're still finding um Crash parts of a Halifax bomber, which bombed the turpits.
0: Oh wow!
1: So, I'm there having my porridge, coffee, having a chat about it, they even gave me a, a chocolate bar, and he had a, a collection of old, old like weapons from World War Two, and he's telling me the history of the valley. And this is interesting. The Norwegians thought that if the Germans left the swedish and the russians were going to invade in the valley because they were all farming communities so what they did they actually sided with the germans in that uh, valley and what i was thinking was well i'm in this house now it's now the 2nd of november 2023 and I'm thinking, if this then being the 2nd of November 1943, here's me eating me porridge, having a coffee and my chocolate bar. I'd have had some guys come through the actual door with a couple of Walther PPKs and a Schmeisser pointing at me. Me thinking, that's it. Mm. And obviously, because I'm a saboteur, that would be me getting obviously taken off and shot because one of the escaping party, a guy called Evans, he got wounded. <coughs> In a village going through, shot by a Norwegian a policeman and a German one. He got took away, had an operation that kept him alive and then interrogated him and then killed him. So I started walking along all this route and the snow's coming down big style. And got into a, another town called um, the Murica. Murica. I think I've pronounced it right. By this, so... First day, I covered 13 miles. The next day, I covered, I think, about eight, 16 or 18 like miles. Not bad for a 54-year-old. And there's not a lot of light at that time of year either, is it? And you had to move fast. Yeah. So one of the things that the, the agents did, they they actually slept in a farmhouse. So some I was having a chat with these Norwegians and they said oh, we know someone who's got a cabin that you can you can stop at for the night so they took me into this cabin oh my god Hugh it was luxury uh, they they lit a log fire for me I brewed up my beef stew had it in a proper bowl had a Norwegian sweater on my battle dress trousers thick Norwegian socks Having drinking hot chocolate, listening to 1940s music. No, the, where did you get the that theme. from? It was on my iPad. It was Glenn Miller. It was on my tablet. Glenn Miller. And I sat there thinking, "Oh my God, this is excellent." Glenn Miller. And, you know, in all American um, a patrol and all that. And I sat there, just had a lamp on, all my stuff out, and look at the actual route I'd taken. And it was a look, it was like, oh, this is good, and this is good. And then the next morning, still snowing, got ready, had some mossy porridge, had hot chocolate, made myself a flask of hot chocolate, had water, said goodbye uh, um, to the farmer and his, his kids and the family and that. Started off again. All, all all, your morale is up. Now, on the route to my first stop and on the route to America, I'd seen houses that, if anything happened, I could have uh, dropped off the hillside and gone, look, you know, I've got injured. I had all the med kit and everything. This time, as soon as I left, I had to go up this mountain that was like that. Going up there, going up there, going, and I kept having to look back, and the scenery was spectacular. I was going along, and I decided, right, every two hours, I'll stop, have a slurp of hot chocolate, have a chocolate bar, have a biscuit, and then off I go again. So, I stopped off the top of this mountain. I'm slugging away at this, and, you, and I did not see anything. I've seen signposts for. So
0: the blizzard, the the snow, sorry, it stopped the now. The snow had
1: stopped now, and and then. Stopped off at this mountain, found a nice little pine tree. There, had a holler in it, and I did a bit of a talk and that. And then all of a sudden, I could feel tingling in the fingers. So I said, right, I've got to stop now. I'm off again. So I stopped, sent everything on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram. Of that, and by that, the hands were starting shaking. I had a bit more hot chocolate, got the gloves on, starting off again. Still didn't see any houses. I kept seeing signposts saying reindeers, you know, warning triangle saying reindeers and that. Didn't see any of them. Didn't see any moose because there's actually moose there. I'd love to see a moose or a reindeer, rather that than a wolf or a bear. Started walking, started walking. You start thinking, just, you start to get emotional and stuff like that. You're still going on, you're still going That's on. That's not like you. I know. And you, <laughs> thanks for that, cheers, man. And you can't stop and, yeah, you yeah. Know, if you stop and have food and that, we just keep going, you keep going. And, and the pocket full of Swedes kept going. I remember going up this sort of signpost. Did you do the,
0: did you think about doing the, Nor- sorry, jump in. Did you think about doing the Norway, you know, the Norway bar? That the it used to be, a, I think that some or a lot, a lot of uh, allegedly. I never went to Norway with the military. Um, they would do when I went Norway, and they would get all their chocolate. They issued chocolate and all. They issued sweets. Oh, yeah, nutty bag. Yeah, yeah nutty did, bag. And yeah, they'd, put it, they'd melt it. They put it into a clear polythene bag, and then let it, and then just let it harden like that. So it's a, it's a massive bar of chocolate and sweets. Yeah, I did that. I did yeah, that. that. Yeah,
1: and a nutty bag. Yeah. And then uh, I always remember going. I saw a sign um post where I'd come from is at 66 uh, kilometers to Stordor. Thought, right, I'm near now the Swedish border. Just kept walking, kept walking. Had you pre
0: plotted your stop points? No.
1: Okay. Kept walking, kept walking. And then I saw a s- round a corner, I saw civilization, otherwise known as a railway bridge. <laughs> 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 and then I saw a big post saying Sweden. So I crossed over, did a quick, I've just crossed into Sweden, I've made it. Then you think, it, that's it, it's like at Kolditz, I crossed over into in, Switzerland, I was at a railway station, there was houses, <laughs> and there was a, little shops, I could have had something, there was nothing here. Started walk- Not even border control? No other border control, just walked over. I, 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 every time I've done this, I've been thinking I'd, I'd love to go hand over my passports and that. So I got into it, and I still had to keep walking because <laughs> I, I had another five Ks to do. But then all of a sudden the snow started again. It, it The wind was coming horizontal. I had glacier glasses on. I remember being a Star Wars fan.
0: Glacier glasses. Mm. Oh, the big. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Obviously being a Star Wars fan, I said to myself, <laughs> I could really do with a on now, those creatures ate of the Empire Strikes Back. started walking, and I saw, starting to see houses and lights, and I've come across a customs point. By this time, my battle dress tra- I had a white, black, reversible smock on. My battle dress trousers was covered in white, and so I went in there. you imagine, I've got a, a World War II reversible smock on, battle dress trousers, which is covered white. And a, that Bergen on me back, they just looked at me, took me hood off, took me goggles off. Bullen hats all to go with. I said, look, look he said, how far is it to the town? They went, over the railway track, take a right. So I got over the railway track, took a right came to this hotel outside of the railway station and you used to see me they just stared at me right when i walked in i said have you got a room spare for the night and the place was empty so they said yes funny love made it I, was, I had a beer sat down had a beer and that and he the eu- eu- euphoria that creeps over you and i'm raised 1500 pounds for the royal british legion
0: oh well done well done it was yeah,
1: cool. It was in memory of those men, but it was all, I mean, it was just like, it, I think it's one of the hardest things I've done. Really? Because of the weather? Not due well, to... Well, you the, did a lot of miles as well, didn't you? I did. 70, 70 miles? No, hang on. Not 70, 70 yeah. kilometers. So you're looking about 50 miles in, mm. 70 miles, 70 kilometers in the three days. Mm. It's not bad. Not bad at all.
0: Not bad at all.
1: I'll tell you what, I, I had a burger and chips on the night. I know I had pizza on the night time and stuff like that. They were actually staring at me as if, like, I'd never eaten in ages. Well, I haven't, I hadn't, actually.
0: And what did the actual escapees have to, bring? what they had? They had a, they had a biscuit.
1: Sardines, biscuits Sardines. and some corn beef. I mean, they, I, and you don't forget that these guys as well weren't in their 50s. They were youngsters in their 20s. Yeah. Well, I'm bored with duties in the Royal Navy as a steward. I'm going to sit on basically a, a human torpedo and ride it underneath the actual turrets and then I'm going to sink the torpedo, and then I'm going to escape overland seventy kilometres in to Sweden. Hopefully, I, I won't get interned, which means I'll have to spend all all the rest of the war in Sweden, and I'll just all get obviously flown back. <laughs> Crazy, isn't it, how the appetite of risk goes through the roof?
0: Oh and, god, uh, yeah. When you got when in, in times of extreme hardship, when you jump. no way that'd be like that. No. I remember when when I yeah, it's like the, the complete opposite. When when uh, third time I was out in Afghan, man, if you wanted to go out on the ground, this is obviously not, not SF. This is like standard yeah. unit, units. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, if you wanted to go out on the ground at any less than twelve people, you had to take approval from like two or three. Levels above the brigade, I think it was. Yeah. Fucking madness. And then you think about the guys, you know, we'll jump on a, a torpedo. It's just been invented. <laughs> like a, a a man carrying a torpedo has just yeah. been invented. What do they
1: call it? A, a, a chariot. A chariot. I, I have, have, a, paint, <laughs> I have chariot. a painting of it. A <laughs> chariot, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is it. This is it. The painting. Can you um, say that? Can you say that? Uh, that way. That way, that no, way. Towards
0: that... you, towards you. So the camera can see it. Towards you. Towards you, towards you Woody. Towards you. Bring it towards you. <laughs> Oh there you go, yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah, yeah. it, the human
1: torpedo. Mental.
0: My god. I'll have a go, but not in wartime. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, that. I'll have a go. Not, not in wartime. Though. And not armed either. No, not armed. Where'd you get the painting from?
1: Um Nick Crichton at the um Old Lemitonius Rugby Club.
0: Oh, that's the one he
1: painted. He painted it oh, for no, me. He painted whoa, whoa, it for okay, me, yeah. He right, painted yeah, it for me.
0: Very good, look at that.
1: Uh, no. Certainly, uh, no. Just gonna... I want to look. Never mind I, the viewers. I know. I know. I know. I know. The is viewers, he said, did you hear that? Then, what he said? Then, never mind the viewers. <sighs> I want to have a look at it.
0: That is really good. Yeah, I like it. Quite the, uh, quite the artist, isn't he? Yeah. Quite the artist. My God, Netters. Netters. What is the in? What is the uh, most extreme or most daring escape you think you've come across in your all your research of World War?
1: I think that one was, but I'm doing another one in March next year. Go on. What are you doing? The Great Escape. Oh, wow. On the 24th and the 25th. Have you got a bike license? Um, do you know what? <laughs> 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 Having said that, I don't think he had one anyway. Right. He didn't have one, and that never happened actually on <laughs> The Great Escape. <laughs> I mean, doing it don't ruin, it. Sorry, don't ruin
0: like... it. You were telling me he didn't jump that fence on the motorbike. In a real, in the in the, the, real, he the, field, in the it? film,
1: he did. Steve McQueen actually exactly. did it in the film, but you're in, ruining people's dreams. Here. Oh no, I oh know. oh no! Party people But in the real world of it, the three people who escaped were two Norwegians and a Dutchman. Huh. But it was a mass escape. And I've started reading the book um, now obviously called The Great Escape by one of the guys who was there. Started to actually read it and look at do I take the route to Sweden as I did or do I take the route uh, to Switzerland?
0: Well talk through the escape. At a high level.
1: The Great Escape? Yeah. It was a
0: Why are you looking at o- me like that, then?
1: Oh, a- <laughs> no. Have you a- not
0: fully researched it yet? Well,
1: I've not fully researched it yet, because I've just come back from Norway, so I don't want to give anything <laughs> away. <But laughs> so d- where were they escaping from? They were escaping from Stalag Luft III, which was in Sargon, which is now in Poland. Okay. And it was a mass escape planned, so they were tied down German troops. And those who you know the story... um. They found one tunnel, they all went out of one, they got, and 50 of them got shot by the Gestapo. Hitler organised 50 of them uh, to get shot. Okay. But, one of the things I did in Norway, I went and had a look at another special operation. So... I went, oh, you mentioned
0: that, yeah. I, yeah, I, I yeah,
1: went yeah, back cool. to Trondheim, obviously right. by train this time. It's strange how it took me three days to walk 70 kilometres, but only a couple of hours to go by, obviously, train. I must be walking at a snail's place. <laughs> and I had a night out in Trondheim, which was, which was nice to chill out, relax and stuff like that without going into too much detail. Then Hansi, my Norwegian guide, picked me up and he took me to his village called holt Darlin. So holt Darlin in World War II had a railway going through and there was a special operations executive mission by the Norwegian section to blow up the bridge at the railway. And he took me to the spot where they they actually blew up that bridge. They took me there, right? And it was very interesting Because he walked me underneath the tunnel. But before we went under the railway tunnel, there were these icicles hanging off it. And he just stopped me. Because, you know, as you obviously know, I'm a chatterbox. And he said to me, Julian, do not talk underneath this tunnel. The reason being is, if we talk, the vibrations could loosen off an icicle. So I went to the left side of the tunnel and almost like crept through this tunnel. Really? What the village has done, they have kept the original guard box and the foxhole and the bridge that got blown up and the bend in the actual track as part of their the village history. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing what they did. So Germans are in the, the railway hut, another one's in the foxhole. They, the guys walked down the side of this mountain at this angle. Place the charges are in December 1944. That's it. Place the charges. Crept out again, the German without firing a shot, and then actually blew up that bridge. And now, do you imagine you're on sentry duty, and where the bridge is close to the hut? It's not that far. It's like from here over, over to the club.
0: 20 metres, if yeah. that, if that.
1: And they, they snuck down in darkness, placed the charges and snuck out again.
0: 10 metres actually, probably 10 metres. And meters, they
1: dropped yeah. it on, uh, to a plateau out there in freezing cold and hiked in, tabbed in all that equipment and did that. But then the Germans repaired the bridge. So they then had another task, and it was on December the 29th, to, bro- to actually um, blow up 11 kilometres of railway track. But they made sure that there was no... They timed all the passenger trains. Because what they didn't want them to do was add on one operation. They blew up a track, but it had... Civilians on board. So what they then went and did was they watched all the trains going off to past worked out all the timings, then then actually blew eleven kilometres of this uh, track. He also took me to the LUP, the line up, um, the position where they stopped at, mm. and then after we um, did that. Went back over to his mum and dad, said, Right, um, quick coffee, then it's over to the village hall. Took me, there's a 11th century Viking church in his, uh, the village. Wow. Where you go inside it, but there's. Were like-
0: they pagans?
1: don't like know. James. Content. i to Google it. Go on, keep talking. So they, they had an inner and outer part of the church. And when they had to go, before they could go into the church, they had to leave their axes and swords in a special place. And I went in there, and it was absolutely beautiful. And they had all candles all lit and everything. And they told me about all the history. Which town were you in? Holt, Darlin.
0: Alt, darling. Yeah.
1: And as we came out of this beautiful Viking church, um, I said uh, um, uh, to Hansi, have they got a church service on tonight? And he said, no. The church has been opened up, especially for you. Oh, wow. So I was then taken them over to the village hall. And at the village hall... I gave, I gave a talk on, on my, called it to escape, to the villagers. They had a little, like, museum in there to Operation Lapwing, it was called. The blown up the railway track was Operation Er Lapwing. Then Hansi gave a talk on Operation Er Lapwing. And then I gave a talk on Operation Er Title. And as a gift over to the village over um, um, to the village I gave them my escape map my escape compass so my oh, nice. escape, that's getting framed, and that's going into the history of the um the village so I have here actually this is a sulk escape map of the area and route I took. Have a look. Yeah, certainly can. Um, that was that was done especially for me by a company called Splash Maps. Uh, David at Splash Maps got that especially done for me. Oh, cool. So they would they would carry something uh, like that.
0: Explain to people why escape maps made of silk, please.
1: It, it's so that basically it can be used in any weather, and also if you fall, um, I've seen one in the in the uh, museum at San Mary Glees where you tell a paratrooper who had an escape map as a, a scarf around him because you think if you've got mm. if you've got a a normal map if you've got a normal map it's going to get soaking and stuff like that so that was issued to special operations executive to air crew anyone who's deemed as you know, prone to capture troops.
0: Rugby for Heroes brought you this podcast today. Rugby for Heroes are a not-for-profit organisation formed in 2009 in the wake of the death of Private Joe Whittaker, who was sadly killed serving on operations with the Parachute Regiment in Afghanistan. Since Joe's death, Rugby for Heroes have raised in excess of £125,000 for military charities, and they've been doing this year in, year out by organising fundraising events themed around rugby, beer and gin, food, live music and great people. They regularly hold events and you can expect soon for a supper club to be added to their calendar. Their most recent event was a beer and gin festival held in Old Lemontonians RFC and Lemonton Spa, the home of Rugby the Heroes, and a club who recognise, as many others do, the huge impact that Rugby for Heroes has, not only on the military community, but also on the local community. You can keep up to date with what Rugby for Heroes are doing by following them on social media at Rugby4Heroes Number Rugby4Heroes rugby and getting onto their website, rugby I strongly suggest you do get to their events and I will see you at the next event. I've been to every single one of their events since I, since I discovered Rugby for Heroes and, quite frankly, since they supported me through very difficult times. So I hold them very close to my heart and I'm very appreciative of their support as are many other HR fans who have been touched in different ways by Rugby for Heroes over the years. Rugbyforheroes.org
1: And they got to give them a, a button compass as well.
0: Can you get that framed? You're gonna get that framed. I'm
1: gonna get it framed mm-hmm. with a button compass as well.
0: Well, so where, But where's the? Is that an original issue button compass? No, it's
1: about? not. No, no, it's not. Replica. A, a replica yeah, one. So what's
0: different? Uh, how different is it to the button compasses of today, which is just plastic shit?
1: It was. It was made of metal. Oh, okay. And also, as well, it was interesting that they used to hide them in like a matchbox and stuff like that, and sewed in uh, to jackets and everything. <coughs> hmm. I mean, you know, if they were actually escaping, they would escape with a silk map and a button compass. Well, the interesting thing is the escape maps did not have the border crossing points on because if they got captured and the Germans or the Axis forces took that off them, they would know the actual crossing points. So they did not, so if they they caught them, they would not have anything on there. Mm. No markings, anything. As you know yourself, you can't have any markings on your map because if you get caught and stuff like that, oh, right, so you go in here, you go in there, you go in there.
0: Mm. Creative times.
1: And then, uh, 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 as I say, this little... um, The the Norwegians are friendly people, such a massive country. I
0: was going to ask you about them, actually, yeah.
1: Friendly people, massive country. I mean, it's absolutely massive. And and there's lots of wilderness out there. Lots of wilderness. I mean, I got told when I crossed in to Sweden and the snows come across that way. Oh, it wasn't as it wasn't a snowstorm. It was oh oh, it's only snowing. Oh, it's warm. It's only minus eight. Would you prefer to escape
0: in the hot or the cold? What do you think?
1: They used to escape in springtime. That's the best time. That wasn't my question. I know. <laughs> Um, I'd go for. I go for the cold. The reason being is you can easily walk up, warm up. Sorry, and not get obviously dehydrated and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think. Yeah, but
1: yeah, sure. they used to aim for springtime. Now in the movie The Great Escape, they're all escaping, and it's all nice and it's all clear and everything. When they actually escaped in, in 1944, it was all covered in snow.
0: Oh, oh, even harder to get, uh, get away. Yeah, and, and a few of the tracks.
1: And a few of the guys had coldest escaped and it was snowing. Mm. Which is not good. Because Airy Neve, he escaped in the January and that was covered in snow.
0: Caldice looks amazing. I remember when you gave your presentation um, on it, on uh, pictures of it.
1: Oh, it's, as you approach Colditz over that bridge, and if you, obviously I'm, I'd watch the actual movie, The Colditz Story, when, when you approach it over that bridge, you can Im- imagine, you've just been caught, you've just got your battle dress on, your little haversack and everything, you've been caught, you've been interrogated, you've been obviously given a number, and those, those wooden <coughs> gates are slammed shut behind you. And you've just got an exercise yard and stuff like that, and you think, how long is this going? How long's the war going to last? How long is this going to last? What was the largest POW camp? Putty it was a bad boys camp. Then you had Off Flag Four C. That was Sargon. That was the home of the Great Escape. I think I think that was the largest one. That was the largest one.
0: Mm, What? Have you ever, have you, have you considered doing any World War II escapes in, uh, in the Pacific?
1: Do you mean the bridge over the River Kwai? That that would be a bit of a,
0: bit of a what? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing,
1: interesting. That, that
0: can't be the only one. There's been loads of escapes over there, small, small, scale. That's just a well-known one. I think, I think, because there was a bunch of POW camps.
1: I'd need to research it. They they had it worse out there. Then obviously we did in in off Europe because they they might stop the the Red Cross parcels and stuff like that. There is an interesting one, Italy. Rusty the QM food bars. Yeah, gave me a great book. I've got to read it and have a look at this. And it it, 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 it it's um uh called it. And it's about the, the Italian version of Kaldits. Mussolini's Kolditz, Kolditz, Kolditz. Yeah, okay. I, I might Where have, in Italy was it? I, I don't know. I've not read that yet.
0: Oh, you've not read it yet? Okay. But
1: what is interesting is a lot of the soldiers who escaped from from Italian prisoner war camps, they were sheltered by... Italian, Castle of the Eagles. Castle of the Eagles. They were, they were sheltered by Italian and villagers, because not all of them were actually fascists. And what the interesting fact is, they got into village life, and they started going out with Italian females. Right. And what was happening was, they were deciding, well, do I escape and go back to Britain or do I stop here in Italy in the village and what they were doing some of them were actually stopping uh, to marry Italian females oh wow they weren't going back it's like there was a thing where a lot of the RAF not a lot of the RAF pilots but some of the RAF air crew who got shot down put into a prison war camp Weren't escaping because if you think about it, you get sent back and you're flying again. Mm. But, like, they were actually stopping in the, the prisoner war camp, and the Italians who the British who were escaping out of the Italian prisoner war camps are going in uh, to villages, getting obviously looked after, getting themselves an Italian girlfriend, and going. Mm. <laughs> do I stop in Italy with this <laughs> with with this Roman beauty, or do I go back to the East End of London, back over to Doris and the four kids?
0: Yeah, yeah, or back to Skegness. <laughs> <laughs> or fucking Cornwall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs>
1: mm, I wonder what should do here. <laughs> I'll oh, just sit Well there's
0: that film, isn't there? Is it is it or oh, is it a part of a story of a film? I think it's based on a true story. It's a thin red line where the guy the guy is the guy is oh, captured escapes then decides to stay on some island in the middle of nowhere. I've only seen the film once, I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. yeah he stays on an island in the middle of nowhere, doesn't he? He doesn't want to come back. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he loves it and he's like that. And then gets obviously picked up and charged. Yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't Yeah, I guess he doesn't want to leave it.
0: Yeah. What are you going to do when you run out of World War II stuff though? I mean, i really like you to transition to things like Vietnam and things like that, or Korea.
1: I th- uh, there's loads of World War II stuff out there that, that I can still do. Mm. There's loads of stuff. Um, as you know, I went to Arnhem with Ernst. I went to Arnhem with Ernst, and, oh, my God, he's such a... Knowledge of a guy. Knowledge on on Arnhem. And, oh, we had some great chats about how the operation went wrong. Why did they do this? Why did they do that? Why did Urquhart go off and was, like, stuck in an attic for 48 hours when no one knew where he was, if he was alive, if he got killed and that? why didn't they drop here? Why did they not do what they did at obviously Pegasus Bridge and all this sort of stuff? And they said, well, there's flak batteries, there's ACAT, there's Archie, we kinda of that well, that to turn and go over that. He and we followed the route from Oosterbeck down or to the Rhine and um passed obviously Kate the Horse House, the Angel of Arno and there's white mine tape still up where the glider pilots glide, guided all the guys down over to the river. <clears throat> and one of the stories he told me, that one of the guys swam over, but they found him about six weeks later, or something, or six like, months later. Remember the King's Own Scottish Borderers with his jump smock on, his battle dress, obviously trousers, his boots, and actually just a skeleton. He got swept downstream mm. and there was operation of the Pegasus which was in the October November and Ernst and I actually did that because it was we did a 20 kilometre walk and it made me laugh actually because it was a 20 kilometre walk I got there on the Thursday have a look to the John Frost bridge and all that I means so Ernst went drinking till one thirty in the morning in the square at Arnhem and then basically Friday, he took me around Oosterbeck. Then I went out and had a few drinks on Friday night and that. I had to be at this other station. So he picked me up, then we did all, all this walk. 20 kilometres, not problem, starting at 10, ended at about, I don't know, half past two, something like that. You're thinking, oh, that's not too bad, you know. Nice, gentle walk. It was the route that they took down over to the Rhine for Operation Obviously Pegasus, organised by MI and Nine, the escape thing. I'd walked over the Mulvern Hills, got some offsea training in for Norway, and thought, do you know what? Did the 20 kilometres. I wasn't feeling achy afterwards and stuff like that. It'll be all right in Norway. Then you get out to Norway on the ground, the cold snapping at you and stuff like that. I I mean, like normally you'd walk in like a smock and a t shirt. I had on a long sleeve t shirt, roll neck sweater. Off, my jacket, that kept us warm. Glad I had the battle dress trousers on because I thought to myself, if I had just normal walking off the trousers, they would have bit through the battle dress trousers and zoot suits off the trousers underneath. Tucked in, two pairs of socks on, not a problem, no blisters, no hot spots, anything like that. But you just think, Oh right, I've done the twenty kilometres in Arnhem, I'm all set, I've done the Mulvernills, I'm all set from Norway. You go out there on the actual ground. <laughs> Oh God! It was different. It was just like <laughs> it was like um, didn't have to cope with you know wolves. Uh, someone told me your taxi could have been a deer. It's there, obviously mating sound. But I thought to myself, I'm not taking any chances, you know. And I was only chatting with the Swedish guy at the bar at, at Storlien, and he said to me, "You didn't come over the mountains, uh, did you?" And I said, "No, I hand rowed his said People go up to the mountains, they walk over the top of the mountains, there's a whiteout up there, or they get into a wood, the compass isn't working correctly, and all that going, the hell, I'm glad I hand rolled it. Mm. And he said, You need a guide up, you, you, you do need a guide Why up. Why would the there.
0: compass not work correctly in the
1: woods? I don't know, because he said a whiteout and stuff. But when you see these woods, our mountains here don't have a lot of obviously trees on them, do they? Over Norway, there's these thick spruce mm. trees and everything it would have took ages i've still been obviously there now
0: uh-huh. it may be
1: ended up in mm. finland or something like that yeah well
0: back we go i don't my knowledge of those you got we got to wrap this up in a minute because oh, you, no. you've got an appointment um, i say appointment you've got a dinner yeah a lunch uh my knowledge of scandinavian countries is very shit i'd love to i it's one of those areas i mean i'd love to travel the world I'd love to go everywhere i don't have that time in my life but Scandinavia, I, I do want to do, and then the uh, the, uh, the Pacific and places, those islands and all, I'd get around. Perhaps I'd
1: we it. should do an escape together.
0: What's this we, Woody? We. Wee, you and we, you and your wolves. <laughs> Maybe. When I'm, when I'm older <laughs> and I've got time. I Maybe. could have been. How old are you now? Yeah. Right, you're escaping, I'll be... Chilling the fuck out. <laughs> right, on, I'll be stupid. i it. on the train.
1: <laughs> <mate>. <laughs> well, I tell you what, the old great escape one. I mean, that was either on the, on a push bike and on obviously train. I I remember cold it walking in from from Zingen into Switzerland to Shaftauz, and I remember this train going past, and i was thinking to myself, "What I done what, what, what that one French officer did? He just cut the fucking train straight into yeah. Switzerland." I saw this bike tied up.
0: And oh, that's right, because he gets on the trains, a bunch of Germans on there, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I saw this bike tied up as well. And there's a great scene out of The Great Escape where James Coburn's, is Australian, and he comes across a bike that's tied up and he gets out some of some, um, the wire cutters and he cuts the chain, and I could see his bike tied up, and I thought to myself, have <laughs> some wire cutters now. I could what James Coburny then I, I I can just imagine I'm not like try, trying to uh, uh, trying to ask explain to the German p- police why I'm stolen a bicycle. Right. You, look, I'm on this escape, I'm doing it, for you, and I'm in some German cell
0: very mm. <laughs> right. pleasure um yeah, thanks for you. Thank uh... you. How, can, uh, how do people follow you? So,
1: Woody's WW2 Adventures on Instagram.
0: Oh, that's right, yeah.
1: Not Woody's World War II Adventures on Instagram. Woody's
0: WW2 get... Adventures.
1: Woody's WW2 Adventures yeah. on Instagram. Easy to find. Easy to find. find, yes.
0: Easy to find. And then when are you planning the Great Escape?
1: The Great Escape is going to be on the 24th and the 25th of March... 2024 next year far
0: away at all
1: it will be on the if i get my maths right that's the 80th anniversary of them doing it on the actual day so i did call arnhem
0: arnhem 80th next year as well
1: yeah and normandy so i did and um i'm thinking of doing normandy because my great uncle reggie he went into normandy and i'm thinking of walking the route from sword bridge to charles de percy cemetery and that'll be raising money for tony lucy's 353.
0: excellent excellent
1: Hugh, thanks for having us on board no, wait, listen,
0: again listen this is a advice check for hazardous animals before <laughs> you can do the great escape i don't mean nazis <laughs> I mean, like non-human <laughs> animals, right? Just do it. Just, chill, just please take my advice. Just take God. my advice, right? Don't check when you're on the ground already.
1: <laughs> Cold it, it was. Dogs. I, I, I remember in Crete. Yeah, the the the, <laughs> the rustling of this bush, and I just looked there. It, snake. I'm not joking. You ever see one the movie? The snake comes out and does that. Just moved my ankle out of the way. Just moved it. Have out you of ever way. seen
0: what Mamma Mia?
1: No. You know, where a snake does that. Yeah. It comes out. I thought you said
0: you have ever seen Mamma Mia or no, something? No, I didn't, out.
1: mate. Right. It comes out, it does that, right. I looked down, I heard the rushing, it looked down, just moved my ankle just in time, and it shuttled off back into uh, the bush. And <laughs> I remember somebody saying to me, right, did you see what snake it was? Did you take a photo? And I couldn't help it. I said to him, yes. I picked up a stick, <laughs> I went back to the fucking bush. Prodded the bush where the snake had nearly bit me because all I could think of, I didn't know if it was poisonous or not. And someone said to me, No, the snakes in Crete aren't poisonous, but I, you don't take those chances be- because there's got to be snakes out there. Which
0: well, you have to recognize it's like the same as spiders over here. You know, I, oh, yeah. I don't mind, I'm not, I don't mind spiders, but I don't want to get up close and personal
1: because no. you get some dodgy ones and they bite. Where'd that thing going around the bush, though, I'll tell you. Yeah i was just like, I'll I, I uh, And then Norway was like. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, there
0: was no howling.
1: You just made that up. Uh, well, you heard a rustling. When the howling. It, come Crete up? was the rustling. Right. The howling. That, not in Norway. When I heard that in Norway. You
0: didn't hear that? You said it was a rustling. You, said, no,
1: you heard something. I heard something. This is recorded, Woody. You I you know didn't it's recorded. I heard a howling.
0: Yeah, I, I predict. I, heard, I predict. You're going to appear on this podcast in the future, maybe a year's time, right? Maybe a year's time. And you will recount this. I'm going to ask you to recount it. Yeah. And you, it'll be elaborated to where it was a wolf. Yeah, it was wolf, It mate. was a wolf. It was, scratching it was at The
1: wolf was scratching yeah, at the door. Scratching at the door. Scratching the door of the barn. Hugh, thank you very much, mate. And a pleasure. Thanks Good for ha- having us back again. Very Cheers, pleasure. mate. Thank you.
0: That's it. If you enjoyed this episode, why not become a HR Patron? HR Patrons get exclusive access to premium content. There are private interviews with previous guests and with this guest that nobody will see except for the HR patrons. So before this podcast was recorded, I recorded an exclusive Q&A, a shorter interview structured around eight questions. All the questions were chosen by patrons beforehand and that interview is online now for patrons. That happens every time. Patrons also get access to all of the episodes before anyone else. They get advanced viewing of the episodes. And you also get other perks and bonuses. All of the information is on charliecharlie1.com. Just hit the menu item, become a patron. It'll show you everything there, including access to the Hey Discord community and private patron-only channels on there. So go to charliecharlie1.com and hit the menu item, become a patron easy peasy thank you for being a supporter subscribe to the channel and i will catch you on the next episode